This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to Get Psyched, everyone. I am sitting down with my girl, Bruna Maya, today to talk about astrology. Now, before you scoff and you think about every Cosmopolitan article you've read or any newspaper horoscope you've read, do me a favor and listen to today's article. Bruna does such an amazing job of marrying the worlds that are the woo-woo, astrology, moon, sun, and stars of things and brings that into the world of psychology. She explains how she uses astrology and natal charting as a way, as a roadmap as a snapshot to understand her clients and herself. I take full advantage of this and ask all of my questions about Saturn's return as I am going into my 29th year and about to embark on what I'm expecting to be quite a journey. So we talk about the interconnectedness of astrology and psychology. We talk about the heart of astrology and archetypes, diving into Jungian psychology. Like I said, exploring Saturn's return. And what I love is exploring defense mechanisms and planetary archetypes as a way to explain them. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear today's show. If you're ever interested in working with Bruna, having a natal chart done by her, having a reading, be sure to check out the show notes because all of that information is going to be linked there. And while you're in the show notes and you're already in Apple Podcasts, do me a favor and leave a five-star rating and review for the show. For new shows, it is so, so, so paramount for us to get reviews. You guys, I can't even begin to explain how much each and every one warms my heart and how much it helps the show. So do me a favor, leave that five-star rating and review like the show is written in the stars, five stars, and we'll see you on the other side. I'm really, really curious about, because like I told you at the, at the onset of this, I know very, very little about mm-hmm. astrology. And for the longest time, I wrote it off as mm-hmm. like, oh, the Cosmo article about mm-hmm. what my sign is saying, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so the more I get exposed to it and the more questions I start asking and the more people who around me are versed in it, the more it starts to make sense. And so I guess it's kind of a launching point. What initially attracted you to astrology? Yeah. So like you, I also, you know, I was, I never imagined that I would become an astrologer. I wrote it off as well. I only saw it as like a horoscope situation, you know, at a magazine. And it wasn't until my first astrology reading. So I was 29. Well, actually, no, I was, I was turning 29, 2017. And for my 29th birthday, I gifted myself an astrology reading. And when I got there, I was going through a lot of different things in therapy too, working through some challenges. I was dealing with a breakup, like, should I stay with this person or not? Mm -hmm. It was pretty dark time for me. I was questioning a lot about who I was. And I was actually having a few moments where I was like, wait, maybe I don't know who I am, Mm -hmm. like truly. Mm -hmm. And so I was seeking guidance. And I found this astrologer, I got introduced by a dear friend. And when I sat with him, I mean, I will never forget this reading. It like is a marker in my life Mm. because for the first time with somebody that 
immediately understood how my mind worked. Hmm. And no one had ever said what he said to me. And I felt really seen and like, not, yeah, intellectually, you know, I was like, wow, this is how my mind works. This is actually a gift instead of an insecurity. Because mm. I had thoughts of like not being smart enough and all that. And that was actually blocking me to access my mind. Wow. And then the second thing he, well, maybe the third thing he said was like, you're going to become an astrologer. <laughs> and I was like, no way. I was like, what? <laughs> However, there was like this deeper knowing that was like, yes. Like there was another voice. I was like, yes, Bruna, you are. <laughs> and so I was, I immediately felt my ego and my soul kind of at this battle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there in that moment. And I was at a point in my life where I was starting to understand the difference between ego and soul too. So it, it provided me with that opportunity right there to see the difference already Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead no I was just I I have never quite had somebody bring up ego and soul Mm -hmm. Um, I mean obviously we've talked about things like that on Mm -hmm. the podcast and and the ego very separate of the soul or or the persona or these different things so in that moment when you were watching this duality play out what was the energy of the ego and what was more the energy Mm -hmm. of the soul for you yeah the ego was constriction Mm -hmm. immediately I was contrived like I was felt constricted I was like no I can't become this fear like flooded my whole system Mm. and then with my soul there was like this deeper knowingness there was this calm this relaxation the settling and I felt wow yeah what what a juxtaposition to yeah. feel at the same time. At the same time, yeah. yeah. Wow. And and so then as he was explaining my whole chart, I was seeing images, you know. So he introduced my mind in the beginning of the reading, kind of like a blessing, like like let it go, open up to it. And then as he was navigating me through the reading, it was almost like my mind was expanding and I was using different parts of it. And then it felt like a language that I had known for, I mean, lifetimes. It was a really deep feeling. And uh, with fear, (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of fear at the same time. And, And so we, you know, he said, he was like, I want you to study with me, you know, and, and there was, so it was really, I mean, he was like a father figure in that sense, you know, and, um, so I left that reading and I did not contact him for six months. <laughs> um, you were in like the pre-contemplation, contemplation yeah, stage of totally, change. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I, I think part of that too was that I asked him about my partner at the time. Like, should we stay together? And his suggestion, he described the ideal partner for me as somebody very different. Mm, from the partnership yeah. you were in. And I wasn't ready to confront that too. So for my mind, my ego, like I felt that if I admitted that I was supposed to be an astrologer, it meant that I also had to end this relationship with this person. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, six months feels like an appropriate (laughs) time to to need to confront all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Wow. So when you did contact him, what was that like? It, it was very freeing. It was very freeing. Yeah. It was, I was, I felt like very open to the unknown. 
and adventurous at the same time. I'm Aries, so I love starting new things. So there is a lot of excitement and passion with it too. Yeah. Um, but the the interesting thing about me learning astrology was that I mean astrologers are self taught, right? There's not there are some programs that you can get certifications, but it calls for somebody that's very self taught. Mm-hmm. So there's many ways for you to study it. The way I chose to study, which makes sense with my psychology background, is that I first wanted to really understand myself. Mm-hmm. So I stayed um, a year with this teacher, just looking at the moon and feel because the moon changes every two days mm-hmm. and feeling into the energy. So mm-hmm. that's how I started learning. It was very intuitive. Like I really wanted to use my body and my emotions because my emotions is a pretty big compass for me. And so I just stayed a year doing that. And when you when you're saying the moon changes every two days, you it sounds very experiential, like for yourself. And I'm assuming where the moon is in your chart, your specific chart. So the moon changes signs every two days, two and a half days for everyone, right? Like okay. that's the transit of it in the cosmos. And depending on your chart, it's going to impact you differently. Got it. And just for listeners who aren't aware of the chart that we keep referring to, um, what is the chart? So the chart is actually called the natal chart. And it is a chart that we create from the moment you were born. So it's the map. It's a snapshot of the sky the second you were born. So where the planets are creates a story, an archetypal story of who you are, what you're here to do, the challenges that you're here to overcome, and your gifts. Mm-hmm. I have chills. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, beautiful. <laughs> so immersing yourself in this study and, and what emotions and what, what somatic experiences came up with this ever-changing moon every two and a half days. Um, I'm assuming that's what kind of that year of processing, that year of living with it is what made it more accessible for you to articulate with others or what was that Mm -hmm. learning process like? Yeah, that for sure. And I think just like this deeper knowingness within me, Mm -hmm. like it was almost like I had to prove to myself that I was actually connected to this tool Mm -hmm. and the study, Mm -hmm. right? And if I could feel it, then I would truly believe in it. And... Yeah, and I learned a lot about myself just looking at the moon. And then I started, then I went to the sun, right? And then I enrolled in another course with another teacher who I'm still studying with. And then we followed the sun, you know, this is the signs that we know, right? So mm-hmm. right now it's December, we're in Sagittarius because the sun is in Sagittarius. And so then I stayed the whole month with that energy. Mm. And really felt the difference from the moon to the sun. Wow. And what was the biggest difference you felt between the moon and the sun? Mm, the moon is internal. It's yin, right? So it's very interesting. I studied that energy alone in my room. I was kind of going through a dark time, a very emotional time. And it was very personal. Mm-hmm. It's the mother, right? And the sun, no, the sun is their solar plexus. It's consciousness. It's external. It's yang. 
it's masculine energy. And so that I was going to class, you know, and I was talking about it. And we were learning through examples, through readings. It felt like a lot more masculine in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, just a little bit of, of background for, for the listeners. Bruna and I both go to the same school. We go, we're going through the same counseling psychology program. Um, and so when you say that you were going to class, do you mean... Ours, are you saying you were going to JFK and this, this yes, other teacher and astrologer? Mm-hmm. Okay. What was that Both like to exactly. go? Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Okay. For those of you <laughs> listening that don't understand what it takes, like how much school asks of you in our program, I am floored <laughs> that she was going through, that you were going through two programs simultaneously. Yeah. Did you find that there was just so much like oh, interwoven material? Yeah. yeah, I just got chills when you said that, like the interwoven, because yes. And this, so this teacher was the one that convinced me to go to JFK because she had gone there and she actually taught there. I'm and seeing so, yeah. it, I'm seeing it. <laughs> so that's actually what led me to JFK. I wasn't sure yet if I was going to follow the astrologer path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started JFK and I, I, I signed up for the transpersonal and depth program. And my first classes, I mean, they were very like traditional psychology, and ethics, like, <laughs> um, I was like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> uh, but then when I started taking my youngin classes mm-hmm. while I was taking classes with her, I was like, oh. Whoa, okay, they connect so beautifully. It's one. Like this is one topic, one theme, one school that I'm studying. That was something that really helped me and and honestly intrigued me to have this conversation was how I'm a very linear thinker. Like some of the to be completely like completely honest, the kind of uh, quote unquote woo woo yeah. <laughs> things that we do at JFK and, and just practices I do outside of JFK. It is a practice for mm-hmm. me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time trying to meditate and mm-hmm. like all of my narrative coming up, like, okay, you're sitting on a floor pillow in your room by yourself. What if a roommate walks in? Like, <laughs> am I sitting right? Am I breathing right? And and it was just like this perfectionist part of me or, mm. or this like, this is weird part of me just wouldn't let go. And what I love that you do so beautifully is bring in the spiritual side and not even spiritual, but the the astrology side of psychology and can help people like myself, um, make astrology more digestible Mm -hmm. and help me integrate that kind of practice. So what kind of um, parallels were you seeing between especially Jungian psychology and what you were learning with the moon and the sun? Yeah. Well, now that you shared that, I'm really curious to see where you have Mercury, which is your mind. I'm (laughs) like, oh, I wonder where it is. Maybe somewhere earthy, (laughs) Uh, linear thinker. Uh, So we'll we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I am doing my uh, natal chart with you next month. Yeah. I'm excited. I'll have to follow back up with the the listeners. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So with, I mean, the connection with Jungian psychology, I well one I learned that Young was actually uh, studied astrology right and he was at, using astrology with his clients as a compass 
And so just that I was already like, okay, there is definitely a connection here. Mm-hmm. And truly the heart of astrology for me is archetypes, right? So you're studying archetypes because the planets manifest as archetypes. And there are different parts. Another word for archetypes is parts. There are different parts inside of you and they're all trying to have a voice. They're all mm-hmm. trying to say something, some louder than others. And so I think astrology is a compass to help you understand your different parts. Mm. And kind of give it, I, one of the things I use with my clients a lot, cause I do a lot of parts work and mm. yeah, and I mean, I think any therapist, whether or not you, and this is my own projection perhaps, but whether or not you say you do parts work, I think every therapist does that, right? Because what client hasn't sat down and says, a part of me wants to do this and another part of me wants to do this. Boom, there we are exploring that. And so what kind of, what are the archetypes that you see come up that the planets bring that you can kind of parallel with clients? Yeah, so I kind of already started talking about it a little bit. So the sun is your conscious conscious self, Mm -hmm. right? That's why everybody knows their sun sign because it's the most conscious energy. So our society is already saying that, right? Right, that's the, what's your sign? Yeah, yeah. You're answering with your sun sign. Because you you feel that one the strongest okay. in some cases. And then the moon is your emotions. So your emotional world. Mm. Then um, Mercury is your mind that I just mentioned. Venus is your femininity, your feminine energy. And doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, we all have feminine energy. Mars is your masculine energy. So how you act. And then Saturn is the tests, the challenges that you're going to go through, mm-hmm. tests of time. Um, Jupiter, which actually comes before Saturn, that's the way you expand. Um, and then the the three transpersonal planets, um, then you have Uranus, which is how you rebel, how you awaken yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's like the rebellious part of us. And then Neptune is a dreamer. And Pluto is a transformer. I'm, I'm seeing Optimus Prime. So <laughs> tell me what you mean by transformer. <laughs> uh, it's that energy that truly wants to transform, regenerate. Got it. So think of the phoenix rising, right? That part within you that will destroy things so they can transcend. Mm. And so, okay, so that's just like the basis, right, of those archetypes. Now you add in the flavor, right, the sign that they're in, the constellation. And so a Mercury in Pisces, this is what I have, right, is a mind that is nonlinear. It's all images. Like I flow with life and images and colors and I'm not linear at all. Got it. Now a Mercury in Virgo is going to be super linear yeah, concrete. Right. I feel like that's where I am. We'll <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, but. <laughs> we'll report back. <laughs> but so that's when you start to play with it. So that's why I believe astrology is truly a science and an art. Because you have the science, you have the map, you have the books that you can read and you can, it describes what every sign is and you can study all of that. But when you're s- sitting across from a client, you're seeing the, I at least, I'm seeing the images come up in movement Mm. and so then I get to see like oh this because this planet is talking to this planet it's creating this sort of situation for this person and that's when you can layer in psychology 
and you can understand what defenses they have, what type of mother they had, what type of father, what were their siblings like, Mm. how did they feel about change? That is so cool. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sitting on that, letting that marinate for a little bit, because it's, it feels to me, again, having no astrology background, like you have the map, Mm -hmm. right? And now you get to watch that person's journey and what path they take, whether, you know, maybe they take the scenic route. Maybe they find a dead end here or there. Totally. But you have have this. That's the least linear I get. (laughs) Bringing up that map image. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one thing I want to back up to, because I shared this with you before the podcast um, a couple days ago, was the idea of Saturn return. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I have heard it in so many different podcasts I am almost 29 years old Mm -hmm. so I'm like gearing up getting ready for it (laughs) and it took so much of me to admit like I don't know what that is Mm -hmm. you know I keep seeing it I keep hearing it and it's this in my language it's this woo-woo thing that Uh people talk about Uh but what is Saturn return for people that are curious or people that have heard that phrase but aren't really sure what that means Yeah. So when you're born, Saturn's in a specific place in your chart, right? And so after 29 years, usually 29.5, Saturn comes back around. So it goes all the way through your chart and it comes back around to the same place it was when you were born. Mm. And so when when planets do that, we call it a conjunction, right? Like a, a transit that then connects with that natal planet. That creates an internal change within you, okay? That's like, woof, like there's a test here. There is something that I need to confront. Mm. And because Saturn is known as the planet, is known as the planet of time, it's known as a planet of responsibility, dignity. Um, there is, a, some people feel a huge weight on their shoulders during this time. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like Saturn's knocking in your door and saying, hey, remember who you are? Well, let's get to it. Mm. Let's make changes. Let's, you know, let's really, really commit in this physical plane. Not up here, you know. Right. Not dream. Like here, you got to change things here. And to some people, that's really intense. Like they really feel that weight because they have to physically change things. Well, there's no more like turning away from it. It feels very in your face. Exactly. Yeah. And for every person, it's going to be different because it depends what conversation Saturn's having with your other parts, with your other planets, right? Mm -hmm. So some people actually don't have a really horrible or really hard Saturn's return. Some people are quite okay, right? Because maybe in their map, this is not a point of tension for them. Mm -hmm. Now for some people like myself, I mean, I I really got it. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the beauty. Because we're talking right now, and it's actually really beautiful that we're talking right now because I'm a few weeks for me to completely end that cycle, away from that cycle. So it took three years, that Saturn's transit on top of my Saturn. And the thing, though, is that even though it was hard, 
if you listen to Saturn, oh, it's so rewarding. Right. Because it builds character. So when you gifted yourself a a session with an astrologer when you were 29, did you have any idea of Saturn's return or was it like some grand coincidence that that was when you would find yourself walking into an astrologer's office? Yeah, it was really funny because I, so my therapist also knows astrology and in, there was one day that, and I didn't know this by the way, when she was my therapist. Yeah, she was found, yeah, yeah <laughs> I only found out when I started studying. So it was again, serendipitous, you know, right. and, um, and, and so basically there was one time that I was leaving her office and I said something and she was like, oh, like, and she mentioned Saturn in some way, like, oh, you're Saturn. Oh, this, this is Saturn's return. And I remember I was like, what is that? Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's where I am right now. <laughs> that's where I am. It's coming up everywhere in my life. And, and she was like, she was like, oh, wait, don't worry about it. She didn't want me to get like too mental with it, mm-hmm. especially because it was still coming. Mm. She was just like, just experience it. Right. In a way. And, but I was like, no, I need to research. <laughs> I, need to I, know. Need to, like, I need to know what this <laughs> is. And I did a little bit of that. So I kind of knew that I was around my Saturn's return, but funny enough, I mean, I thought it was 28 years. So I got to the astrologer and I'm like, oh, I'm done. Right. I'm done with my Saturn. And he's like, no, <laughs> like, oh, sis, you yeah. are hold on to your seat Aries me like wanting to finish it you know I'm like no I'm done with it and he's like no you haven't even started it yet that is that hits me so hard so I my birthday is April 21st so I am the cusp of Aries and Taurus oh yeah first day into Taurus wow and so when people talk about the stubborn bullheadedness as much as I would like to say that part of me is not there, it is so apparent. <laughs> and then you mix that with my like, I want to get through it. I want to get done. I am in the exact, sa- I'm so glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> I am in the exact same place where I'm like, okay, sick, bring it on. Like, and just let me like get through it. And so I love the bit about a, what you've said to me earlier, but also what your therapist was saying of just like, just experience it like Mm -hmm. just be open to Mm -hmm. what that experience might look like or feel like was it something was there something familiar about it like Saturn making being back in the same place that it was when you were born Mm -hmm. did your Saturn's return feel like this like world shaking Mm -hmm. event or was Mm -hmm. there something kind of familiar about it Ooh, both. Yeah, okay. both. I mean, it's, I, the, when you were talking about wh- it was there when I was born, I was immediately thinking of like, it's a birthing canal, right? Like I'm being reborn in a way. Yeah. Because right? my new identity is astrologer now. I haven't worn this identity yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really new and it's so exciting. Um, and at the same time, it, it just feels, I keep saying the word deeper knowing, but it does, it like Saturn just brought me that deeper knowing to my core. There's this wonderful book by James Hillman, right? Soul's Code. And Soul's Code. Soul's Code. And it's one of the books that we read at JFK for my Jungian class. And I love that book because James Hillman is just saying like, we are born with this energy. It never goes away. 
Like we are born with this code. And I think that with Saturn, it just taught me again about all of the gifts that I have in me that I'm not using. Mm. So that felt really familiar. Like I've had this gift ever since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. I was super intuitive as a little girl. And now I can actually use it. Why am I shutting this out? Mm. Yeah, I love that. And how are there practices of reintegration of like recognizing those parts and then welcoming them to the dinner table? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the point of reintegration is super important, I think, as an astrologer, too. And one that I am exploring in the sense of not only seeing clients one time, but seeing them throughout their journey. Mm -hmm. I think both can be beneficial. However, when you're going through such an intense transit like that, it's really nice to keep coming back Mm -hmm. and having somebody to talk to. I think uh, having a therapist that can help you process this is also so helpful. And then in general, just your own I guess, astrological education around what this transit is. What's the message of this specific time specifically for you? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's is going to be a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. Some people, they're going to feel more uh, like their fear of rejection come up. Some people are going to be like their fear of not being, being unlovable. Some people, it's going to be that they give themselves too much to others, right? So whatever it might be, there are going to be different resources. Mm -hmm. So would you suggest that people, actually, let me back that up a little bit. Do most astrologers meet with people once? Like here's your, here's your natal chart. Here's a reading. Do what you want with it. Or does it, is there kind of this return where you can continue to work on it with your... I've definitely seen both. Okay. I would say, because there's many schools of astrology, I would say the psychological astrology school, right? These mm-hmm. are psychologists, the psychotherapists that use astrology. They prefer return clients. Right. We all do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Please yeah, don't yeah, just yeah. dump on us your trauma <laughs> yeah, and yeah, be exactly. like, okay, bye. <laughs> Because it's a process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the type of astrology that I'm really attracted to. Because this is pretty interesting, right? When we think of astrology as a collective, I think our society still thinks of it as prediction. Right. right? Yeah, you're going to predict the future, you know. And, And no, psychological astrology sees, no, we see it as a process. You still have a choice. Mm-hmm. right you're you're still the hero or the heroine in your journey um but we're here to help you through that process and so we're like we see the transits like saturn's return as a marker of like oh wow you might feel really depressed you might feel melancholy you might feel a lot of fear and your anxiety might kick up and it's it's okay like it's part of your journey So you actually honor that. Yeah. And it sounds to me like as scary as it might sound to be like, there have been these dormant parts of myself that I'm getting to know again. And even though there is this familiarity, I know for me, um, change is very, very difficult. 
and I'm a very hands-on learner. And so when I think I have something figured out, when a part of me bubbles up that is curiosity or I hear something like Saturn's return or I hear these different things, I'm like, shoot, like someone's someone's about to prove me wrong and I'm so stuck in this, but I, I want to go, I, I need to go lean into that. And that can still feel scary, even if there's this dormant part that can totally take on that challenge. So to be going through this hero or heroine's journey, it sounds to me like these archetypes, your planets, these parts of your personality that are coming out. It's like, hell yeah. Like I have more soldiers to go into battle with now. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all saying a specific thing. They all have a little gift that can help me in this journey. And it's so, yeah, it's so cool, Lindsay, because I I play with them all the time. You know, if I'm feeling really low or if I have a challenge, I'm like, who can I bring in? Actually, I'm going to bring in my Venus in Taurus, the one that loves pleasure, the one that loves friends because she's in the 11th house, right? And so... I can call in these archetypes that feel really familiar to me depending on what challenge I'm facing. Mm-hmm. So it makes me really, I feel a lot more, I feel less alone with myself. <laughs> <laughs> there is, that has been a theme that has come up so much. And maybe it's just because we're in quarantine yeah. and we have been forced <laughs> to be with ourselves. Or like, I make this joke all the time, but it's like people are getting so bored or so anxious sitting with themselves that they chose to learn how to make sourdough bread yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, sitting with myself I've watched all of Netflix sitting with myself is too much I'm gonna go find out yeah. how to make bread now um, but there's so much to learn from being quiet from mm-hmm. being with self and it can also be scary when there's parts of yourself percolating up that you're like oh I don't know I've never met you before. What does mm-hmm. this mean? Mm-hmm. So are there any practices that you used or that you help your clients um, integrate to start to get to know these parts, to start to introduce them back into their lives? The first thing that came to mind is when I'm in a reading with somebody and they're talking about a challenge and then I'm looking at their map and I'm like, oh, that's that archetype over there. You know, <laughs> this archetype is taking over, you know, and it's like and the thing that I do with that I do in the reading is that I show them like, OK, this is the challenge. This is a shadow part of this archetype. And this is also the light. Mm. And so I really bring in both sides. Right. And that there and I actually sometimes even try to bring in a, another right? A third one, just so that they can get used to that this is a multivalent archetype. That it's not just that one thing, that it actually can be used toward the light. It can help you in different certain scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to give an example here. Let me give an example because this might be helpful. So um, I'm thinking... So my Mercury and Pisces, because I've talked a lot about that with my how my mind works. The challenge with that is that I'm nonlinear. So growing up when I went to school and everything was linear, multiple choice exams, I did not do well. Mm-hmm. And I beat myself up for it for a long time. And so that that Mercury and Pisces have has brought me a lot of pain in a way because I didn't fit in. Mm. With the way that you were told you were supposed to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the system. Now, the beauty of that archetype 
is that it allows me to to play with images you know it allows me i can see a map without actually seeing it in front of me right i can meditate and see all of the planets moving from somebody right and i don't even need any tools around me for it yeah and so and so, and i have both you know i have both i'm i'm going to have the mercury and pisces on the shadowy side sometimes it's going to come up but then there's also the light Wow. Have you, I say wow a lot, but that's just because this whole conversation is just mind blowing for me. I hope it's not, you know, I hope it's blowing as many minds of listeners. So when I hear you talking about the way an archetype or a planet shows up, for me, the first thing that goes off is like coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. When you have a part of an archetype that's so pronounced that I don't, I'm just kind of riffing here, but do do you find that those parts are like aided in your survival at one point, their Mm -hmm. coping mechanism now? Um, How is it to kind of illuminate for people like, Hey, and this part has a shadowy side or it has a light side. Does it give people more of a toolbox to kind of start confronting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find defense mechanisms to be a really important thing to look at as well. And also for me to be mindful as an astrologer that, oh, they might come up during the reading. The defense mechanisms. Mechanisms might come up during the reading as well, right? And so how to bring awareness to that. It really depends on every client though, because everybody's so different with it. But defense, defenses are just a way that we learn from childhood how to deal with life. This is again, Bruna, like weaving, braiding my world <laughs> of like, I can sit here and talk psychology, but to also bring in the cosmos is, I just can't get away from this magnetic feeling of like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like there's so much enmeshment or intertangled with the cosmos and and what we're talking about in psychology Mm -hmm. so much yeah so much so if people wanted to dive into this or this conversation piques their interest what what's the first steps of kind of figure i know we talked about the natal chart maybe that's where you start i don't know but how do people start to illuminate this in their lives yeah, it's, there's many ways. One is to first get a natal chart so you can actually see the map and you can hear somebody else describe yourself and feel into it. I think that's such a gift to see how it feels within you to hear that information. Um, so I would say you can definitely start there and there's so many astrologers around the world that you can connect with. Also, it's amazing. Age of Aquarius, you know, we have a lot of stuff online. Mm. So there's so many great teachers giving free content online. And if you want to put under your podcast, I can recommend a few too. That yeah, you we'll watch. link some in the show notes for sure. And these are fantastic astrologers that are, they just do it, you know, from, for, from the goodness of their heart. And so that's a fantastic way to do it as well. And then it, through social media, there's a lot of astrologers that give full moon and new moon reports. And I do one as well. 
And so that's a great way for you to just understand the moon cycles every two weeks. And mm -hmm. how does that energy connect with you specifically? Again, this is not connected to your birth chart because they're not going to know that when they're giving the, the report, right? So that's why I think it's helpful to do both. Do your natal chart reading and then listen to these astrologers talk about the energies in the cosmos. Currently as they're happening. Exactly. Yeah. And it's something you said earlier that I want to kind of go back to just because I'm interested. You were saying your Saturn return started at 29. Mm -hmm. And now we're coming in on that closing couple weeks of it. Is that something else that's in your chart? Like your how long your Saturn return is going to last? Is it the same duration for everyone? What does that look like? Yeah, it's the same duration for everyone. Okay. And so it's about three years. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Lindsay. <laughs> Here Buckle we go. up. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and it, again, it's going to look different for everyone, especially because mine was in the constellation of Capricorn and yours is going to be an Aquarius. Mm. And so that in itself is already so different. And the cool thing is that Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. So Saturn plays a very important role. However, there, it's a different manifestation, right? So Saturn and Capricorn is about structure, right? It's about tradition, rules. Right? And that's where you were. That's where I was, right? So it was like really heavy on me, right? Especially with what you were saying before, not being like this linear thinker always. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. you have that skill, but what a massive like clash or difference. Yeah, yeah. And it really made me claim it and claim going to school and claim studying astrology and claim quitting my job. Like it made me really take charge of my life and create structure. Mm. So that's the key word with Saturn and Capricorn is structure. Now Saturn and Aquarius, the key word there is system. I mean, Saturn and Aquarius is air, right? So it's, we're going from earth energy to air. So it's about connectivity. It's about communication. It's a different sort of energy. And so that's the beauty of astrology is that your Saturn's return already is not going to be like mine. <laughs> <laughs> so if people wanted to know more about you, learn more about your work, potentially work with you, where would they go? So you can go to brunamaya.com. That's my website. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's at brew underscore Maya. And I would love to hear from you if you're interested in astrology. Oh, thank you so much, Runa. This was so cool. I feel like I have so many more questions that are just burning desire questions that we might have to do episode number two. Oh, I'd love that. Maybe post-natal yeah. post chart. Yeah, that would be great. And maybe, yeah, maybe we can even time it with something in your chart, you know, oh and my just see how, how it's going. Yeah. And, yes. And I just want to say, you know, Saturn brought you here. So I'm already feeling that Saturn <laughs> coming through. This is Saturn, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's oh, beautiful. Man. So I'm going to thank Saturn for that one. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Saturn. <laughs> and thank you, Brenda. This was awesome. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs>